What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 37 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, March 9th, 2017. I am here with Michelle Bron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden I'm French, apparently. Michel. Um, yeah, I'm here and uh, really glad to be here. I've had a, a pretty solid week. I mean, it's been all right. I mean... I got to see Logan in the theater. Oh, that was that's pretty a very awesome. uh, that's a that's that's a very uh, divisive movie there because you got it was people, a really intense film. People either uh, I've from my Facebook wall, people either loved it or did not like it. Yeah, I could see why. Uh, I only have a few problems. The ending is one of them. Uh, I would have preferred if it ended differently. And uh, there's some pacing issues. Uh, here and there that kind of slow the film down. But it was really great to see Wolverine finally show some berserker rage. Great to see the blood and the violence and the carnage. Um, so that was really a spectacle to see on the big screen. And I've been revisiting a bunch of other X-Men films lately. And if you weren't a fan of this one, go watch X-Men Origins Wolverine again. And and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to look at this one and be like, you know, I may not be a super big fan of Logan, but it's a lot better than X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, I remember the well, uh, I remember the X-Men cartoons in the 90s which uh I was a huge fan of. I remember it was funny cuz like, you know, with cartoon violence and everything, Wolverine would always draw his claws out, but he would never fucking use them. He would always just about to use them. He would use them on Sentinels, but because yeah. Sentinels were robots, so technically you could slice up a robot. That didn't matter, but he never uh -huh. used them on people in the cartoon. And I always noticed that, and I thought that was such a cop out. Even as a kid, I was like, "Man, he never actually like." Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that too. When I noticed that with Spider Man, Spider Man couldn't punch anybody. Have you noticed that in the '90s cartoon? No, I, didn't. I love the '90s animated series, but you never see Spider Man punch anyone. He kicks them. It's funny because something. like Cyclops and Storm, they can like blast people with like their lightning and their laser beams, and you can shoot, I know. <laughs> you can shoot people with lasers. Uh, I know, yeah. But I, I guess because lasers are fictional enough in their mind that you know kids yeah. won't, they'll be able to separate the difference. Well, it's from not that. as bad as like it, it. Well, it's like the turtles. Like they they could use their weapons in the car, in the cartoons, but in the UK for some reason their weapons were changed. Like they couldn't even use their weapons. They had other things. Well, I mean, when you live in a country where the police don't even carry guns, you know, it's kind of, I guess, violence, cartoon violence will, will really be frowned upon over there, you know. Yeah. But anyway, aside from that, um, I finally fucking moved and completed my move, and that's why this yay! podcast... Yeah, yay. I mean, now I can say yay, but man, the past like three or four... Well, it probably was a pain in the ass. It, I it mean, was a huge pain in the is. ass. I mean... Did you have any help, or was it just No, my my my, uh, my brother and my mom helped me. My dad kind of helped. He's old. He can't really like lift stuff. Yeah. But he, he like drove the truck with the trailer on it with all my <laughs> crap. But, like, it was a pain in the ass because I I got the keys to the house, like, a week ago, but I had all my gigs and stuff, so I actually couldn't physically move all my shit in until a few days ago, until Sunday. So, Sunday, I had to, like, wake up at my parents' house, start packing everything up, and anybody who has ever moved, I know that you oh, already God, know the yeah. fucking pains yeah. 
of that and especially packing for, up all my vhs tapes in, oh, dude, in uh, yeah. oklahoma and, city and that's another thing too is like you collect stuff i collect stuff i collect video games it's it's mind-blowing just how much physical space that stuff takes up yep yeah. Like you don't think about it, you know, it's just sitting on your shelf all nice and neat and you don't think about it until you actually have to grab each cluster of tapes and put it in a box. And it's like, well, I got one box filled up already and I still got 75% of my collection I got to pack up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. It was crazy. Just the amount. So like I'm really much more on that uh, having less physical possessions thing now. Like, I got what I got. I'm happy with it. Like, I don't want to really accumulate much well, more. you know, I'll just deal with it on my end because I, I, I really just love my entire collection. And there, and I do, I do cut down on things if it's something I don't like or if it's something I'm never going to watch. I've been doing better on that. Like, I did that. I did sort of a VHS purge recently. I was like... <laughs> I'm never going to watch this. Get out of here. Go to Goodwill <laughs> somewhere. Uh, so so that way it doesn't take up space, and that way I can have more space to put other stuff, you know. But, yeah, so I got everything moved in now. I got all the various services that you need turned on, the power, the Internet. The Internet yeah. came yesterday, and uh, he, now there's a big-ass wire running in front of my yard. It's Comcast or whatever, and I didn't know. Like, I thought everything was, like, aerial. Like, I thought they, you know, did it like that, but apparently... No, I'm mine is through a... Well, if I had cable, I still, there's still a cable cord back here, but it's it's not really visible. It's, like, behind somewhere. Um, I got a bunch of cords and stuff everywhere in my room, but they're usually behind stuff, so they're not, like, all over the place. I'm just hoping it doesn't fuck my lease up in some way that uh, I had them come out and do that because there's this. Big... It, it probably wouldn't because Comcast, they probably know what Comcast does and all of that. Yeah. I would hope so anyway. Well, I mean, that's cool. You got your own place now. You can play your music as loud as you want. You can play the Unsolved Mysteries, you know, as loud as, as, loud as you want. <laughs> I can blast You can watch Stack. it. You can watch it whenever. You don't have to. You could get up in the morning, watch an episode early, you don't have to wake people up. Yeah, that who's kind of ki- stuff. Who's kidding who, Mike? I, I don't wake up in the morning. I wake up in the, uh, the early afternoon at best. Well, I, I didn't know. Well, I don't wake up in the morning either, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> Unless that's... I have to. If I have to, if I could finally am able to get a job and it's like show up at 9, I'll show up at 9. It's just one of those things that i just i don't have any luck on that front so i'm just waiting for a response back from wsu i still haven't gotten any and but i got an email saying oh you're invited to visit the campus on some one time in april or may and i'm like okay and talk to somebody all right fine that's i'll go and i'll talk to somebody and i'll say hey am i am i accepted here is is that what this is i know i know that feeling because that's exactly what was happening to me with this house they were like oh yeah you can tour that like before i got the house they're like oh yeah you can tour the house at at your leisure we'll give you the code to the lockbox and you can let yourself in and walk around and so i was like man i love this place i want this place so bad and and then there was like all these hurdles i had to jump through you know, with giving, you know, you have to send them a copy of your social security, your your uh-huh. driver's license, and then you have to apply, yeah. and then they had to, you had to send them proof of income, and it was like this this huge tease to where it's like, well, am I gonna get the house? Am I not gonna get the house? And uh-huh. they, I don't know if this is like something they do artificially or if it's true, 
But man, they make they made it seem like there was like ten other people looking at the same place. She's like, yeah, we had like so many showings over the weekend. You know, you better get on the ball if you. And I'm like, damn it, you know, like I really want this place because it's big and it's like I like everything. They about they it. probably exaggerated some things a little bit. It would seem, or maybe it would not seem like it. I don't know. I mean, it is, it is for the money you're paying. It is a good value and it's in a pretty decent neighborhood. So it's cool. I'm going to be making a YouTube video of the tour of the of the house soon, cool. which, which is funny because like I just you did. You just did one. I you just, just did, did one, one of my old place, <laughs> which I'm kind hey, of. Hey, now you can show some of the other stuff that you just didn't show, like because you were just like, eh, I don't want to show that because it was like stuff that was in your brother's room or something yeah and that shit still remains in my brother's room because i i mean i got like pretty i got like 95 percent of the stuff that i want here but there's other stuff and i'm sure other people who have moved know this when you move there's some stuff where you're just like that shit can just stay forever at the old place i don't want it over here i saw there's some books and stuff that i have over in uh, michigan at my dad's place that are kind of like that yeah ultimately i'd like to get them back but it's i'm in no hurry um i got like but I got really like, i'd like to get my vhs tapes back that i have in boxes already boxed up my dad keeps giving me the run around and every time i call him about it he's like well yeah i'm gonna do it and then he doesn't do it and frustrates the hell out of me because i'm sorry even if you run it doing long haul truck driving you're home for like a couple days they're already boxed up go to the fucking post office <laughs> Don't you love that kind of shit? People who just procrastinate with with such an easy task, you know, like, well, I mean, it's not an easy task, but I mean, it's 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 a mid-level task. It's not like no, a, it's, it's pretty easy. They're already boxed up. Put them in a couple of them in the back of your car. Go to the post office that is right there in the town, small town that you live in, this dinky ass town and ship them out media mail. Done. <laughs> yeah, I've got like 350 CDs in my brother's room that I shot off in that tour of my room video, and like <laughs> that's, that's nothing. That's, I got thousands of tapes over there. <laughs> well, that it's that kind of shit that I'm not bringing over until I I own a house, until I am making yeah. mortgage payments on a house, and yeah. I know I'm gonna be there for at least six mm. to ten years. Then yes, I will take all that crap that's over at my parents' house, and I'll bring it all here, but. For right now, it's like that shit can stay over there. Yeah, that um, makes sense. It must be really nice to have your own place. Like eventually, I'd like to do that, and I really want to do that. It's just I don't have the income. So yeah, oh no, a- it's so expensive. Like because of the you know, I was fortunate enough to build my job, my, both of my entertainment jobs up as a wedding DJ and karaoke DJ. I was able to do that enough to where I was able to afford it, and I'm I'm yeah, I'm very fortunate. But it's it's a lot more stress too. I mean, you know you anything can happen and I could lose gigs and then I could fall behind in my bills and stuff. It's not happening right now, but it could. So there's more. I think, I think it should be pretty good with gigs for karaoke and stuff like that. And for your wedding. I mean, that's always seems to be something that people need. Yeah. So, uh, unless a robot gets invented and then decides to, you know, replace you, I don't see that happening. It'll never, it'll never be able to replace a real, like a good professional, you know, wedding DJ or karaoke DJ robot will never be able to. They've tried with stuff like jukeboxes and like karaoke uh-huh. machines, but it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah. even come close to like actually having a person in there running uh, yeah. the event. Um, another thing that about living on my own is that like this is the first time I've lived completely by myself. So I'm not going to lie, walking into my house late at night, 
from a gig. That's scary. Going to yeah. bed by myself in this house all alone. That's kind of freaky. I'm not going to lie. Um, just stuff well, like that, you know, yeah. not knowing. I mean, if- you'll get used to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was kind of like that for me in some of the places I lived in with my dad in Oklahoma City or in Michigan when I'm just by myself and they're on the road somewhere. Or, But, I mean, that happened enough that when I moved in with my mom here in Vancouver, Washington, not Canada, yes, there is a Vancouver, Washington. It does exist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a figment of my imagination. Uh, but anyway, my mom is at work for most of the day. Troy's out most of the time. Who's so Troy? My stepdad. Okay, you never said so, that before. Yeah, so I really honestly have a lot of time to myself like so it's i'm not i'm pretty used i'm pretty much used to being alone at night though is when it really is when it really tests your uh your courage as a person though i think because no i've done that before when uh mom has to go and do something or well they went camping uh, for like a week right stuff like that yeah they've done that before or mom goes out and does some weekend with her friend with her relatives at the beach so i've had a couple weekends i've even had a week by myself and you know it's it's not that bad i mean really i tend to stay in my room most of the time anyway yeah that's so, the same with me that's why that's why like i didn't think twice about living on my own because it's like i i'm in my room all the time anyway at my parents house i never really interact with them so it's not that i don't like them it's just that i you know well, it's i interact like, with my mom every now and then like i decide to sit down and watch some tv yeah with but yeah and, but it's nothing like but it's, it's, yeah it's not like you guys have like a pillow party every well, night i'd like to I mean, see, that's the thing my mom doesn't like a lot of the things that i like and, and so we don't really do a lot we don't have that type of connection troy's at home that much and all my friends are out of out of state so it's I want to get back to school so maybe I can meet some new people yeah, in the film program so I can be like, hey, you know, let's go hang out or something. Go see some movies together or whatever. Come over to my place to check out my crazy big collection. But it, oh, it, it's I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that statement. But uh, 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 no, <laughs> maybe, no maybe a female you might uh, show. Yeah, not possibly. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so people are getting ch- uh, pissed off by chit chat right now, so that's cool. Um, before we go into the uh, actual well, segment, we got we have to announce another unsolved mysteries related thing. Season three of the stack is on Amazon Prime right Man, now. They are, they are doing like gangbusters with uh, putting the seasons up there. I'm I'm pretty uh, proud of that. Well, every month is is a, is a good good thing. I mean, considering how many episodes they have now. I noticed this already with one of the episodes. Uh, one of the missing segments from, I think, season one or two showed up in season three. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so I heard that from that from them that that could happen. So uh, Dennis Farina's Unsolved Mysteries is on YouTube, so hopefully maybe that'll lead to uh, the stack Unsolved Mysteries being on uh, YouTube for those of you who are in Australia or Canada or anywhere else other than the u.s apparently film rise though did does have stuff on netflix so that's what i'm thinking that eventually maybe hopefully um will end up on netflix but it also depends on the provider netflix is just like amazon prime and netflix is probably netflix.ca or netflix.au 
Yeah, they are. They because I talked to my friend in England, and she was telling me that that Netflix has different content on there than yeah. what they have in the U.S. That's why people pirate things overseas is because they can't watch it. There's no legal way for them to watch stuff. Yeah, I think pirating for the most part nowadays is when they don't have a resource of getting it anywhere else. Because I mean, with Spotify and how the, are you going to blame the person, the 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 consumer? They would actually pay and and do something, and actually pay for the rights or the ability to stream certain things, but you don't give them that option. Yeah, so. I, I think when I was more, I think when I was younger, like when I was a kid, I, I think I was really into the idea of like stealing stuff off the internet for free. <laughs> you know, like I was, I was like a lot more like you know, You're a rebel. I, I don't know. I, it was just such a novel thing at the time. But then again, yeah. I grew up in that. I was like that perfect age. I was like twelve, eleven. 12 years old when Napster first came out. So yeah. I was like that perfect age to where like that shit would really like dazzle Now it's a just kid. commonplace. Now it's just like now it just we feels, take it for granted. Yeah, it just feels a like a, a, glut, a gluttony of, of content. It's like, yes, I could go out and get every single Bob Dylan album for free if I want to. Yeah. But it's like, eh, I don't really. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's kind of how I feel about movies. I mean, there are stuff that I do download because it's like only on VHS and it's out of print. and There's no other way to get it or there's no actual legal way to buy certain things. Like I found some links for old SNL episodes and it was like a gold mine. I was like, holy shit. Like the actual ones that were recorded off of the reruns that were on Comedy Central. Oh, I remember not that. the not the syndicated stuff that that are have stuff cut out of it that you see on Netflix or Amazon. Or and so, or CISO, so that kind of stuff you're not gonna find it anywhere else. And I would pay for it legally. I pay for a DVD set if I could, but NBC just doesn't really see any reason to do that. And they have some segments on uh, skits on their website, but some. It's not the entire episode. Yeah, I, I don't like piecemeal shit like that. That's why I didn't like that Mike Judge Beavis and Butthead collection because it was just piecemeal segment like Beavis and Butthead. Segments. Yeah, that's the only way you can get a boot. The whole series is bootleg. Yeah, yeah. Which I do have. <laughs> I do have the whole series. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, really bad the bootleg series. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I have like a VHS rip kind of thing going on, but uh, yeah, I know, but I know you had the the one before. Oh yeah, I had, the, I the definitely video. definitely did have the bootleg DVD one where it was so funny. Like this, it was this website and it was called TVBoxSets.com and it had like all these really. Uh, yeah. It was like all these shows that hadn't. Well, now a lot of these shows are on DVD box set mm -hmm. now, but at the time they weren't. This was like uh, fucking almost ten years ago. And this website had like Doug and like you know Rocco's Mar and Life and uh, Beavis and yeah. Butthead all on box set, and they they didn't have that anywhere else. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how did more people not know about this website? And you know, I was a little bit more naive about the internet back then, so I got the Beavis and Butthead thing, and it took a it took them like about I don't know four or five months to actually get me the DVDs. I kept sending them emails, going, Hey, I'm really starting to think this is a scam. I'm going to report you guys. That's the way too long. Yeah, I dude. mean, I offer doesn't even. I've never had gotten anything off of I offer that's taken that long. Yeah, and then when I finally get it, this is what it was. It was like somebody had the VHS rips of the every episode, and what they did was they they played it on their TV, <clears throat> and they pointed a camera at the TV. And then what you ultimately got was them filming their TV screen of the episode. So it so, was, so you got a cams. It, it, you got Beavis and Butthead cams, essentially. 
Is that the technical term for that? When <laughs> That's they... the technical term for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like someone taking a, their camcorder into the movie theater and, and pointing it at the screen. Yeah, that was <laughs> so ghetto. It's It was so horrible. Like, the quality was god-awful. Uh, I was so disappointed because I'd waited so long. But anyway, <clears throat> getting back to the uh, podcast. Probably did that with Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> it's just like a bootleg cam rip of Robert Stack's Unsolved Mysteries. The, shaky, the camera's shaking. It's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I can't watch. I, I just I have a certain quality standard that it, something well, has so to be. Well, so do I. I mean, so do I. Um, but yeah, apparently standards. You, you need standards. That's Gordon Ramsay just yeah. in the kitchen. Just that's what he says to everybody. Standards. You've lost oh, your th- standards. Oh, I thought what he said is he just insults everybody. And, oh yeah, and he calls says, him a cunt. Raw. He calls him a it's cunt. But, raw. but before that, he says standards. Are you trying to kill somebody. <laughs> so anyway, we have a uh, Patreon page. If you feel like support, if if you heard any of this shit and you want to give us money, there's something probably wrong <laughs> with you. But if you still do. It's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We, uh, we're very grateful to all the people who are already kicking yes. in their funds to very uh, grateful. Thank you. keep us afloat in this world, in this wicked world that we live in. Um, I don't know what that was about. It was weird. I got all Jesus on everybody. This wicked world that will be struck <laughs> down with Jesus and all the sinners will be cast into a lake of fire. Struck down with Jesus? Uh, or... <laughs> By Jesus, whatever. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. So uh, we also have a Facebook uh, fan page for the podcast. It's called facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And most excitingly, we have a Facebook group called yeah. Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. That one has been really active. People have been jumping on that group, and it's real fun. Uh, Thomas Hatfield's done a, a great job of, uh, of of adding content to that, where me and Mike wouldn't have the time to. I know I sure as shit don't have the time to. And I can't really do Photoshop as well as he can. In, in all oh, of... he's, he's a master of that. Yeah, he's really good. I'm amazed, really. And, uh, you know, just some uh, just to comment on that page real quick, uh, if, if you join the page, just a general rule of thumb for any page or message board you join online, don't be a dick. Don't disrespect people and be rude to people or you will get kicked off. We've already had to do that once now, and um, it's not something that I want to do, but, you know, if you're going to be a douchebag... Welcome to the party, pal! <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, we that's all I have to say, because when you're on the Internet, that's what happens. Uh, If you have a group or if you are sharing your honest opinion, you're always going to have people who hide behind their keyboards and act tough. And you're always going to have to do something and about it and, you know, just kick them out. That's how it is. I deal with it weekly. Yeah, with your YouTube (laughs) channel, which if you want to check that out, it's. YouTube.com slash OCP communications. Mike does a lot of movie reviews and more. You want to find out what the more is? Head over there. Um, and I'm not even going to plug my YouTube channel until later. I'm going to make you earn it, not like anyone cares. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, let's get into these. Uh, the first here. case, uh, hopefully, it'll be worth the wait, and it, hopefully, it is, uh, is uh, Mark Adams. Uh, this is from season one. Uh, I believe it was on episode uh, eight or nine, somewhere around there. Um, and I remember this one way back in uh, the day. Like, I think I remember seeing this one when I was a kid. Because I remember the whole sequence where these guys in ski masks go up and they gun, one of the guys guns down these teenagers, 
uh, hanging out in the dugout. The like it always series. Yeah. I'm going to stick this bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Uh, I knew you'd get that reference. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was just pretty terrifying because you just imagine that. You're just hanging out with your buddies, and then here comes these fucking guys in ski masks. <laughs> and then one of them pulls out a rifle and starts shooting. And it shows like these which are the very reason why people don't hang out in baseball dugouts at late at night, because you got shit like this in your head going on. Like I bet someone in a ski mask is going to come up and gun me down. Why don't I not do that? Precisely. So Mark Adams is a gunman who had committed a string of armed robberies. His stealing came to an end one night in 1984 when he and two other gunmen had finished a holdup and were discussing dividing their loot in the forest. Unbeknownst to them, however, the woods were near a baseball diamond, where three high school friends and students had been drinking beer. Frightened at being overheard, the gunmen confronted the students and ordered them to leave, as well as to hand over any money or valuables that they had in their pockets. When one of the boys, Michael Ridnor, uh, Mike Ridnor, refused, Adams shot him execution style. Which, I mean, interject for a second. Uh, in the scene there or whatever... Um, the, the guys in the ski mask are like, give us your wallets. And, and the, uh, yeah, other boys are, you know, in the dugout are like, Hey man, just get out of here. And then at, yeah. at that point, that really deep, uh, sawtooth like synthesizer comes in with that uh -huh. low note, that and, and anytime you hear that in Unsolved Mysteries, you're fucked. I mean, anytime that low synthesizer comes in, some shit's about to go down. So I loved how they did that in the segment. Yeah, that was really well done. Uh, eventually, all three of the gunmen were captured by California street, uh, state troopers. Yeah, straight troopers. Straight, straight troopers. <laughs> uh, Mark Adams was found guilty of grand theft and first-degree murder. For his brutalities, he was remanded to maximum security San Quentin Prison, which had gained the reputation as the most notorious prison in California after Alcatraz was decommissioned in 1963 and houses such notorious criminals as Charles Manson. Now, this segment originally aired as a part of the Alcatraz special, but on uh, the Amazon Prime episodes, they put this segment in some other episode. I can, I can understand why. Because this really didn't have anything to do with Alcatraz. They it, just threw it in there to stretch the running time out. It was kind of reminiscent of the Alcatraz one, though. When I was watching it, I almost thought for a second, is this the Alcatraz one? I was like, no, no, this is something different. But Well, yeah. what I liked about it is because you had this intense, crazy, brutal murder, this just senseless murder of this teenager gunned down in a baseball diamond, and then you also have this daring escape. So surprisingly, the regimented life of San Quentin seemed to have a positive effect on Adams. He was a model prisoner. This seems to be a normal theme with these people who escape, isn't it? Yeah. Like they're model prisoners. They do all this stuff to be able to get all these privileges. And then once they get the privileges to be able to, you know, kind of skirt the rules or get out of the prison and go to some other place. I know there's this other guy who I think he like had the job of like cleaning up and maintaining some cabin somewhere near like a reservoir next to I know the what you're prison. I know yeah, I know what segment you're talking about. Yeah. They gave him way he, too much uh, leniency. So, but also that honestly sucks for people who actually are model prisoners who aren't planning on escaping, who are planning just on, you know, doing their time and leaving. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them aren't yeah. really given those opportunities anymore because of these fucking guys. 
So surprisingly, the regimented life of San Quentin seems to have a positive effect on Adams. Prison guards recall Adams as never being in violation of the rules and taking advantage of volunteer shops, academic classes, chapel services, or anything available that could get him out of his cell. Mark Adams would have been considered eligible for parole in 2007. One afternoon in 1986, he told a guard that he had access to an area of the prison he normally was not allowed, showing authorization papers to meet with the dental officer, which apparently, I guess, is the dentist. <laughs> but they call him a dental officer. But he has a gun. He's an officer of the tooth, of the teeth, of dental hygiene. Uh, the guard who normally did not allow inmates safe passage in order to proceed to the infirmary infirmary did not suspect anything out of the ordinary a couple of hours later adams was not in his cell during his the routine eight hour check san quentin was placed on lockdown but there was no sign of adams authorities were perplexed at how mark adams managed to flee san quentin a prison many call escape proof and they drew three three theories so they came up with three theories and here they are the first one is this adams had managed to scale one of the 20 foot 25 foot walls despite being earmarked as kill zones in which guards are authorized to open fire on inmates. The theory is the least believable as guards are posted at the battlements and would have likely spotted Adams, but the positions were predictable and the possibility could have occurred that Adams could have taken advantage of possibly distracted guard who considered his posting routine. Yeah. And they actually shot it in the prison. So that's another uh, interesting uh, thing about this segment and I think this is one of the first thing shows that were ever actually allowed in the prison to begin with. Yeah, it was. The second theory is that about 20 to 30 service vehicles enter and exit San Quentin each day, such as garbage trucks and food service vans. Said vehicles are subject to rigorous inspection, but Adams could have hid in one part of the vehicle where he was undetected. Number three. Theory number three, Adams acquired and donned civilian clothes mingled with people at the visitor center and made his way to freedom when the visitors were ushered out by guards. This theory is the most believable as it would have been the easiest for Adams to accomplish. I think that's the one. I think that's the one that he used, and I think that's what happened. Well, you know what's funny is like all three of these methods have been used previously like in, in either other segments or on other yeah. shows. Like I almost got yeah. away with it and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Yeah. It, 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 like the... There was one where on I almost got away with it where the guy did escape underneath this. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I was going to mention that one, and he held on for all this time, yeah. but eventually, and then he, like the the semi went down this uh, did, took this detour down this gravelly road, yeah. and the oh, rocks man. were just like shooting up at him as he's holding on. And he thought he was going to yeah. die in that moment, and uh, yeah. yeah, and then scaling the wall that that's happened before in another unsolved mystery segment. I well, I think say. the one with the guy who was hanging on the bottom. I think he thought he was going to get away, and then the and then the and then it turned around. I yeah, think, it went right? back to the jail. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot, <laughs> dumbass. Uh, so uh, he escaped, but he was actually eventually captured. He was eventually captured in 1993 in Puerto Rico. He was killed by guards during a fight in prison in, on March 7th, 1994. Puerto Rico! Now all my neighbors hate me and think I'm fucking nuts. Good job, Josh. Whatever. Is, is a Rico suave. Is he from Puerto Rico? Nah, I don't <laughs> fucking know. He's, I'm, I'd be surprised if he 
is Gerardo. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that guy is uh, is is from. You don't think he was now. an actor before he did the Rico Suave thing? Segundo bando, rento, rento, bando, quedo, rento, I actually know the. I just remember uh, Weird Al's uh, parody of that uh, Taco Grande. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Mark Adams was a pretty clever guy who escaped what is considered to be one of the unescapable prisons, but he eventually got captured and uh, got shot in a fight. So now, this was this before or after Johnny Cash played there? I wonder. It's probably after. <laughs> well, because I was going to say, dude, if you just hung out for a little bit longer, you could have seen Johnny Cash for free. So <laughs> It's probably way after because this is in 1986. Oh, yeah, yeah, way after. Okay, yeah, well, that's, that is way after. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about the case. I just wanted to thought it would be a fun one to talk about because of the whole you got the crazy – creepy opening sequence and then you have the escape and the segment did a great job showing how these different theories might have happened uh and uh the novelty of it actually being shot in the real prison yeah i mean like you know anytime anybody says it's an unescapable prison Stop saying that shit about thi- like things. Like, stop saying the Titanic was unsinkable. It was unsinkable, ship, yeah. <laughs> and Alcatraz was unescapable. Human ingenuity is always going to supersede any of that shit that man can come up with. Whether I mean, even if it if even if it boiled down to like you were like the prisoner was able to manipulate one of the guards into helping him and he escapes. Okay, well there you go. That's still a way to escape. Yeah. I mean. Until you have robots who are patrolling these places and it's Until all... Until you have RoboCop. Yeah, <laughs> or, or like there's like a smart prison where everything's like there's Wi-Fi detections and Bluetooth sensors. Well, that didn't matter either because uh, Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger still escaped from that prison in Escape Plan. <laughs> I'd never seen it. Is that a surprise though? Um, so yeah, I mean like... You look like a vegetarian. God. Because that was one of the lines in the movie. That was pretty bad. And then, like, with the the celebrity apprentice, there's too much baggage. Too much baggage. There's too much baggage because Trump Trump doesn't like the show and he's making fun of me and Twitter. Donald Trump's still making money off the show, therefore, people won't watch it. Baggage, I'll. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Don't say things like that. Don't say, oh, my computer or or this certain thing, uh, or our uh, government is unhackable or this is unhackable. Uh, clearly, we know that your phones can be hacked into and all this other shit thanks to this WikiLeaks. So, um, yeah, better make sure to keep your porn history really, really, really secret. Like, Well, what if I'm not ashamed of anything that I jerk off to? Well, there's that, too. See, Mike, not everybody looks at the sick, perverted, twisted stuff that you do online. Some of us don't <laughs> care if our porn history gets out there to the public. I wouldn't be one of those people, but I'm sure there are people out there who wouldn't care. So, anyway, okay, this is an awkward <laughs> segue. Yeah, see, you didn't uh, deny awkward. it. Well, no, because I, I really don't watch that kind of stuff. It's not my thing. 
But anyway, we're going into the next segment, one that I chose from the requests. Um, I don't know exactly who requested you. Do you know who requested this one, Josh? Oh, this is a request. Cool. Uh, no, I have no earthly idea where these requests have come from. I mean, at this point, it's pretty much like like the, the dude who found the plates in the ground and started Mormonism. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much these requests. It's like, I don't even know where they came from. I just, I, it's, they're on my computer that I'm looking at here. And yeah, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you live in the Chicago area, no, I'm just joking. No, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you, uh, and this is your request, then, uh, say, hey, thanks for covering that. That was my request or something to that nature. So we at least know who, uh, who did it. Or yeah, we'd appreciate that. You don't even have to say thanks. You can say, hey, that was my request. You did a really shitty job on talking about it. You can say that, too. <laughs> I mean, it's totally up to you. Anyway, uh, one of the requests was uh, Beverly McGowan. And this was from season four. And I do remember this one as well because I thought this would be a good one to talk about eventually anyway in the show because it has these pretty crazy twists and turns. Uh, it starts out as just like a missing persons case and then it becomes a murder case and then it also becomes a fraud case. So it's like all three of these crimes all wrapped up into one. There's some good stuff here. It's a good request. Solid. So in, in July of 1990, bank clerk Beverly McGowan vanished from her Florida condo. Letters sent to her friends and family from her claimed that she was starting a new life. That she read the letters and it was – that's always eerie to me. You know, whenever they, you hear these letters from these people who disappeared or, or are dead or something, um, and it's the actual letter that they're reading off of too. It's not like some uh, made-up stuff. So, however, Beverly's mutilated body was soon discovered dumped in a remote canal in southern Florida. Now, before all that happened, though, uh, this the episode, the segment actually did kind of go back. It it went back and sort of had uh, some puzzle pieces and put them together. Uh, so, her relatives, uh, her family, her family, and her friends realized that she before this she disappeared. She had uh, gotten this job as a bank clerk. Uh, she finally was, uh, able to get a job as a loan officer, actually was making a good amount of money, got her own place at, uh, an apartment, a condo, I believe in Florida. And, uh, she had a nice, had made a nice little living for herself. She actually started advertising for a roommate and this uh, woman named Alice, uh, decided to take her up on that offer. Alice, she assumed she was a really nice British woman. And uh, she, too, Alice was into New Age numerology, just like Beverly was. And Beverly gave her some number, random numbers for the numerology. First off, I just got to, I'm sorry. It's okay. If you believe in this kind of stuff, to each their own. But I think it's bullshit. Numerology, astrology, tarot cards, all that shit is bullshit. Uh, none of it really makes any difference and it doesn't predict anything. Yeah, um, yeah, um, sorry, I thought I just heard someone outside. It, that's, that's one thing about living in these, like, neighborhoods where the houses are really close together. I mean, there could be somebody... I always feel like somebody's watching me. That song was only popular because Michael Jackson sang the chorus. Um, but now, yeah. like, someone could be, like, shutting their door in the house right next to me and it literally sounds like it's in my front yard. 
But no, um, yeah, you know, when I heard that numerology and all that other kind of stuff, I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Some more of this hippity-dippity bullshit that <laughs> people have always been into, even to this day. I know uh, there's a handful of my Facebook friends who have the tinfoil hats on who, like, believe in all this stuff. And I'm just going to say— There's psychics that are right in my uh, neighborhood, like, down right down the street over by Walmart and places like that. No, I mean, psychics—I yeah. uh, Psychics. I mean, that's kind of a different, slightly different thing because I do feel like people can be more in tune with things. But, I mean, it, I'm ver- I believe in psychics. There's but- a lot of psychics that are just— charlatans yeah there's a lot of charlatan psychics out there and i'm very skeptical but i do believe that psychics can be a thing but when it comes well like dorothy allison yeah 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 totally and you know james von Prague and people like that definitely not jonathan edwards or whatever his name was that fucking dude crossing over yeah the cold reading or whatever but yeah my opinion on all that stuff is i think it's bullshit too i'll take it a step further and say like the i think you probably already mentioned it like the zodiac stuff like oh my god i hate it it's like so popular with chicks too like i run i run into so many chicks who like well it's it seems like it's written for them like if i go and get an uh uh uh, astrology sort of uh report and uh, usually it's for it's written for women. So you have this love, new love in your life, and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, how does this apply to me? Mike, are you saying only women can love? You just made that gender thing triggered. I'm triggered. Triggered. No, I'm just I'm just saying like they, they really they're really seriously. There's more than just that. I mean, it's just the way things are written. You can tell. Well, my whole thing about like the zodiac shit, like horoscopes and stuff like that. Okay. Someone give you know you you your hopes go for today. Man, you are just full of song and dance today. Um, you're very in a very joyous mood. That's good. It's a good thing. Um, you know, it's like I read my my zodiac for I'm a Virgo or whatever. So I read my I'm my, a Taurus. Okay, cool. I'm a bull. I'm a virgin. Uh, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> Virgo is a virgin. Uh, that could be that is like the farthest thing from the truth. Already, it's starting off on a bad foot with me because uh, I haven't been a virgin for a very long time. Uh, anyway, so I'm like I'm reading my horoscope or whatever, and yeah, it says some shit that relates to me. Like, yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. you know. And it, but then what I do is I go and I read the other horoscopes for the other zodiac signs, and those relate to me too in some ways. Yep. So they're so broad and generic. Extremely vague. Yeah, they're so vague that it's a catch-all, and and it's written in such a way to where it says things about you that you that you are going to want to believe about yourself. Like you, uh, you are a very decisive decision maker, and you uh, you act quickly, or you don't. uh, You it tells you what you want to hear, and in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of a it's a lot like a placebo. Yeah, right. So 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 this woman, so uh, Beverly. She ended up uh, giving her these numbers, and at first she wasn't giving her any personal information, like any type of numbers that could be used to for identity theft. But then later, because she's so enthralled with this numerology thing, she actually ends up giving this woman she barely even know, knows. She doesn't even know this woman, except for these few times that she's been with her. And I guess she's a house guest. I guess she's a roommate, but they're not friends or anything. Or, or at least really good friends have known each other for years. And she starts giving her her uh, passport number and this other sort of identification numbers. And so Alice gives her an updated uh, prediction or an updated uh, numerology report and says that 
basically says that there's somebody in your family who you're really close to who's going to who's going to betray you, who's going to cause problems for you in your life, um, and uh, that's going to prevent you or from having this fame and fortune, or not really fame and fortune, but having this fortune that she predicted for her that she was going to come into a large sum of money and, and stuff like that. Uh, she should have taken the advice, but related it to, towards Alice because uh, pretty soon after all of that happened, she disappeared. She sent the letter to her friends and her family. She disappeared. And then her body was discovered in a remote canal in Southern Florida. Now prepare yourselves for this one, folks. This is really, really brutal. So her body was not only found in the canal, but her body was severely mutilated. The killer had decapitated her, had cut off her hands, had uh, cut off a tattoo on her back, uh, but missed a second flower on her ankle, which was used to be able to identify her. Uh, they also cut, cut off, uh, chopped off other parts of her body as well. So it was just a very grisly scene yeah this is where the psychopath slash sociopath aspect comes into it because you know the whole time allison was just playing her like a fiddle you know they know how as as was quoted in another unsolved mystery segments um these people know how to play the game of life they know how yeah. to, they know how to act like human beings but they're not actually human beings and so she, alice is playing her like a heart from hell yeah, and you know she endeared. It's like how can somebody who can who can have this like bedside manner then turn around and cut off the hands and head and a, just cut off a piece of flesh that had the tattoo? Maybe she didn't do it. Maybe someone else did. Maybe her uh, accomplice did. Um, but see, that's the thing. That's what's we don't really know who did this. Was it specifically her, or was it her uh, her um, companion? who also showed up as well. Uh, police immediately set their suspicion on a new roommate, a British woman known only as Alice, who used Beverly's identity to escape to England. Uh, the woman has been seen since using Beverly's identity as well as her credit cards. It's apparently just a day after her death, or, or a day after they found her body, or the same day, or somewhere around there, she was going on a spending spree with her credit cards. And uh, after her death, after Beverly's death, a man posing as her used her credit card to purchase airline tickets to London. And uh, they actually, it was a guy in drag, and it actually, uh, the reenactment was well done. And uh, this guy comes in, and he's got this fake British accent, and he goes into this travel agency. And the travel agent is interviewed too. He's like, yeah, I, I thought it looked like a man. He looked like a man. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so, um, they have this composite of him too. And it's really creepy. This like sketch of Sam. It's got this wild, like eighties metal hair, these weird looking glasses, uh, you know, it's got this stern look on his face. Looks like a caveman. So anyway, they actually did identify uh, who Alice was. She was identified as Elaine Antoinette's parent, a career con artist who had apparently been involved in multiple different uh, 
instances of fraud and identity theft and possibly even murder as well. Uh, she had the nickname of the Chameleon Killer, which is a great nickname, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, using a string of disguises, she eluded capture for 12 years until April 2002 when the police finally caught up with her. Uh, she was in her, pajam- in her pajamas. They actually mentioned this. So I thought it was interesting. I thought it was like a intriguing thing to mention. Like, oh, she was in her pajamas. And they allowed her to change clothes. And uh, she ended up taking her life with a 357 Magnum to the heart to avoid capture. Uh, this might be a great closure to Beverly's family, but it left much of the secrets of her bizarre lifestyle and criminal career unanswered. As for Sam, he was never identified and he has never been found. Also, nice little side note here. The bitch wasn't, wasn't British. She had concocted a perfect British accent to fool people. She was actually from the States. She was Um, from, uh, New New York or something like that. Somewhere in New York. And another another side note, just for my personal opinion, um, I'm sorry, guys, but uh, she was hot. Like she was very physically appealing to me. I thought I thought she was pretty hot. Um, not saying anything. Not 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 like justifying it. She, she had that sort of Sharon Stone look about her in one of those pictures of the short hair. I I, I found her attractive, and that's probably one of the tools that she used to endear herself to people so she could get what she wanted. Um, yep. I thought it was funny. Uh, how she died, you know, because like the cops showed up and they're like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm in my, my pajamas and they, you know, allow yeah. her to change. And she goes uh-huh. into the back room and she kills herself. You know, this happens from time to time. You'll hear about this. And all I can think is, man, these people have a contingency plan in the back of their head the whole time. They're like, if the cops ever show up, I'm going to do this and I'm going to put a bullet in my heart because I'm such a vain narcissist that I don't want to actually sh- shoot myself in the head. I want to have a, a pretty corpse, you know? Uh-huh. And, and it's, you know, because that's, you don't get a wild hair up your ass and do something like that. So it's crazy because it's like, you, you almost have to be prepared to die at any moment when you jump into that life of like manipulation and, and like, you know, fraud and murder and all that. Yeah, you got you. You literally not only do you have to carry around the fact that you killed somebody, which obviously these people don't give a fuck about because, you know, they're they're crazy. But you also have to walk around knowing that, like, I I can die at any moment, which I mean, granted, yes, anybody can die at any moment. But the chances it's like times 10 with people like that. the cops. But also, I mean, it it just this whole thing leaves a lot of unanswered questions like what's going on with her? chameleon killer antics like how did she do all this like what were her tricks what were all this and also why did she kill beverly she all she had was a thousand dollars opportunity i mean if it was for the money i mean that's not a lot that's not a lot of money must have been a crime of opportunity she found someone she could prey on maybe she was expecting there'd be more money she found there was only a thousand which I mean you know back in the fucking 90s was like three thousand in today's money but you know it was a couple thousand in today's money and um you know t- she was just like yeah you know what I'll fuck it I'm that desperate you know I'll 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 go with it. You know, these people also get a high off of this stuff too. It's not oh, yeah. it's not all about the money for them, you know. It's it's, totally. a, it's a high. It's a it's uh, you know. That's a typical sociopathic behavior, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like one of the only things that gets their heart rate pumping, you know, is 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 murder and and doing this kind of shit. It's like the same kind of people who break into people's houses. Actually, stealing stuff is only half of the thrill for them. You know, the other half is actually breaking into somewhere they're not supposed to be, and you know, being... well, there's other people too who just break in and steal stuff because of the situation that they're in in life. I mean, there's a lot of people who are just dirt poor and. They just do a lot of crazy things because that's the only way that they can really make any money. You have anything you'd like to admit to us, Mike? No. You seem to have some very quick information about the uh, motive of uh, uh, robbery there. I don't. I just I've just seen you know shows. How and exactly stuff like did that. you accumulate all those VHS tapes, Mike? Having no money. In fact, where did you get that new chair from that you're sitting in right now? I paid for it from the money that I made from YouTube. You. <laughs> what are you trying? What are you insinuating? Oh, I'm not insinuating anything. I'm simply asking questions. Why are you getting so defensive? <laughs> uh, if your name is even Mike. No, it probably is. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. You could be out there. You could be out there uh, stealing and doing all that stuff. And uh, I mean, as long as I don't know about it, then I can't be uh, held culpable for your actions. So just don't tell me if you are. Nah, folks, I'm I'm not that type of person. <laughs> yes, this side of your personality isn't that type of person. But there's another side to Mike that nobody knows about that is that type of person. Isn't there, Mike? You're guilty. Just admit it. Guys, no, I'm I've not. Had, I've had a little too much caffeine today. Uh, I apologize. Apparently. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all there is to be said about that one, right? Yep. That's all I got to say. That was a good. That was a good request. Whoever the hell requested that, I don't remember. Um, you know what's crazy to me is like me and Mike have our own, I guess, ways that we see uh, that we were able to see the unsolved mysteries or whatever. Uh, I'm wondering, like, some of these people who give me these requests, I'm looking at them. I'm like, this is not an internet savvy person because you know it may, they might be elderly or something. I'm like, this person like legitimately remembers this segment from like 20 years ago and remembers the name and everything. Well, there's probably some people who are internet savvy. Come on, I mean, we have a lot of people who are our age who listen to this show. Yeah, and that that doesn't there's group. that doesn't you know okay they probably download it somehow they found it, but then there's like other or people. they remember or they remember certain segments they saw in Lifetime when they were kids or teenagers i remember certain segments it's it, i guess for me it's like i remember but like i i don't remember the names or anything i just remember like the, the yeah i mean yeah that's i didn't remember the names either but they probably might have looked it up yeah but to put the the segment the fuzzy segment memory with the actual name i mean that's that's impressive well, anyway. I, I, I ended up doing that with the well actually i didn't find that segment out about the businessman guy who burned down his car until i just saw the segment again. It was like, oh shit, it's that segment. And then, then I figured it out. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that... But also there's people who have never seen the show who are now seeing the show for the first time, which is really cool. Yeah, Thanks I think to that's Amazon great. Prime. I think, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, you know, I think that any company, you know, that releases something like this, that, that's absolutely what they want to see as far as... Um, you know, showing that the the venture was a success as far as acquiring the Unsolved Mysteries rights and all that. You know, not only do you have the old listeners coming back, but you have the you have new listeners and a new audience. You know, um, I think um, one of our Patreons, Eric, was was t commenting on our Patreon page, saying that um, 
I think he was saying something like his kids watch the show now or something thanks to our, our podcast or if I was reading interesting. That. Yeah, which I thought, I mean, uh, to talk about a high compliment. I mean, that was yeah. uh, fantastic. That's, you know? that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, because, Although, how young are these kids? <laughs> well, hey, you know what? If they watch it at a young age, that's the prime age to mess them up to turn. No, out I'm like just talking about I. the podcast. I mean, this is this is explicit lyrics. <laughs> oh, well, I I don't know. Uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know. But hey, you know, if they can handle it, no skin off my back. I think I think when I I think when I have kids, I, I don't know. Like I, as far as language. I don't know if I'm going to censor that. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I probably, unless they tell me to fuck off, then that, then, yeah, right. you know. I'll make it understood that, you know, well, I don't know. See, with kids, like, they if don't. the kid comes in and says, fuck you, daddy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't know. Kid... Go fuck yourself, you bitch. <laughs> You're not going to do shit. You're only my stepdad. Oh, <laughs> what'd you say, little motherfucker? Um,. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, you gotta kick it, it that. It depends on the kid, the I guess. I mean, like point. all kids have different different responsibility levels. But I, I, I feel the, I, you know, if I ever, I'm not ready to have kids at all. No, I can't handle neither. kids right now. But if I ever got into that situation, I mean, I would like to. I, I really will would not shelter my kid. Um, I don't think I'm gonna like ban them from watching certain things. They can figure it out on their own. If, you know, the kid can handle something, some horror or whatever, cool. If they can't, then I won't show that to them. But if they can handle it and they can tell the difference between a practical makeup effect or, you know, special effects and reality, then I think they can, you know, handle it. I, I think the worst thing to do is to shelter them and ban them from doing certain things or seeing certain stuff. Because then when they get older, they're just going to binge it. They're just It's going to be like a drug addict. It's just like everything, all of it. Well, I think, I mean, and, you know? and that would be fine if that's what they wanted to do. But I think, I think one of the problems that comes with sheltering kids is they grow up with a very small worldview and, and it, can, it can allow them to become very judgmental and opinionated about shit that they really have no experience or knowledge about. Well, also, about. It, it makes them susceptible for addiction to other sort of things because they've never been exposed to it. So when they first get exposed to it, it's like, oh, wow, this carnal sin, ah, you know, and it just becomes this really, really hard thing for them to stop doing oh well that's I mean, how it that's was not, that's how it was with swearing like we weren't allowed to swear growing up obviously I mean, we, weren't, we weren't allowed to watch certain things and we went to well that's with me that i mean stuff. i was not allowed my mom you know she did a great job raising me but you know i was not allowed to swear when i was a kid and uh i wasn't allowed to watch horror films <laughs> so you know r-rated movies films. <laughs> exactly i swear <laughs> i watch horror movies and watch rated r you know stuff so it, it, yeah, I mean. Hey, how, but, hey, guys, how do you like hearing two uh, late twenty-something guys who have no kids talk about how you should raise kids? <laughs> <laughs> you, you enjoying this at all? Is getting to any? Uh, <laughs> I can I can see so many parents right now with balled up fists, just like I'm gonna keep listening, but I don't like this. They don't know what it's like. Um, yeah, you're damn right. I don't know what it's like, but I no, do. I don't. But I'm just thinking about ahead of time. I've seen examples. I, I, I'm using the example of how my parents raised me, and and I, I think that's the way that a lot of parents should look at. I mean, you know, look at their past and look at the other sort of experiences they have with parenting from their own parents, 
and improve upon it in some ways. Yeah, I mean, true that. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I had way too overactive of an imagination as a kid, so there were some things I probably should not have seen that I did that did kind of desensitize me at a very young age to things. Um, but, you know, I don't know, man. Like, in other countries, like, kids get desensitized to, like, death and war and shit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's life to a certain extent, man. There's, there's ugly shit... It's like these suburban, like, you know, uppity parents, you know, keep their kids insulated in this little bubble. And it's like, that's not the world. That's not reality. That's the world no. you've created for them temporarily. But they're eventually going to have to get out there and experience it for themselves. They're going to have to, like, you know, have someone. I wonder if that's where a lot of these social justice warriors, <laughs> you know, they got their mentality from. Because well, they've the, been the in a bubble about, their whole life. The thing about social justice warriors that annoys me is that they're always wanting to impose their ideology on everybody else when they're not realizing that they kind of need to adjust to the world that they live in because the world they live in is the world they live in. And, and not everybody on the street is is going to adjust to their thinking and it's not going to be this teachable moment to where oh, you've just enlightened me. Now I'm going to change my way, you know, social justice. Yeah, I just, I just got woke. Yeah, thank you for waking <laughs> me up to this. And, and now it, it's like, no, they're going to tell you to go fuck yourself or they might They're so full ass. of themselves. They're so full of themselves. And, and, um, and anyway, I, speaking of battles well, and first, I'm, uh, I'm, war. I'm not advocating <laughs> kicking somebody's ass, but I'm just, I guess the example I was, I was <laughs> trying to make was that, you know, some extreme people who are very opinionated in another way might be like, you know, whatever, at a bar. Or what, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, in bars well, a lot with yeah. that shit. Anyway, yeah. Going into battles, fighting <laughs> battles. <laughs> just fucked up that beautiful segue of yours, Mike. It's like you're playing a Stradivarius in a concert hall and I just walked up all muddy like, hey, can I have a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, who is this guy? Get him out of here. He's fucking up my song. <laughs> Get out of here, Barney. <laughs> Sorry, Homer. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, the next uh, segment is a ghost segment. Yes, and, I uh, picked this one. Uh, this is one I get to do this week because I've been so busy. I was like, hey, Mike, can you do two segments this week? Because like, I don't have time to like watch. And like, A lot of times Mike will just read the Wikia, which is fine. Um, I have a much less efficient method where I actually watch the segment and do like a like take notes that way and um it's a lot longer but i feel like it kind of captures the unsolved well, well i do essence. that i do that every now and then with certain cases but especially ones that the wikia is just terrible and doesn't give me any information but you know i i think you know i just try to just get the case out there i already you know have what i want to talk about you know mention and then there's that. Like I said, my method is by no means uh, the better method. It is much more time consuming. It, it's a different method, and it's an equally effective method. Yes. Uh, it, they're much, both good methods. Much more time consuming, though, because a lot of times I'm like, oh, wait, what did they say? Got to pause, go back. Oh, got to get that. Yes. Yeah, so oh, like the Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, segment. my God. That took me like an. Uh, it took me like two hours to write the notes for that. <laughs> oh, great. So anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I... I'm more into the paranormal stuff, so, like, I had to get a ghost one in here. Because, like, I don't like the podcast we do where it's, like, three straight murders or... Not not because I'm, like, squeamish or anything, but I just feel like it's not enough variety. So I felt like I, I wanted to get a ghost one in here. And there's there's several kind of uh, Civil War era kind of ghost stories on Unsolved Mysteries. The other one being um, 
the uh, preserve uh, that used to be like a uh, where you'd register to be in the, uh, the on the union side. If uh, it's in California, it's some like I think it's a reserve, not a preserve. Preserve, what the fuck ever. It's, it's was it preserve like a wildlife? So there's a preserve where it's people. Great jelly. You know, it's preserve. I don't know. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 a museum. That's what where I'm looking for. It's like a museum. Oh, okay. It's haunted. Okay. Uh, All right. This is di- this is another thing, but it also has to do with the Civil War and ghosts. Yes. So the obvious scars have healed, but 132 years ago, at the height of the Civil War, this was hell on earth, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where Confederate and Union armies 170 thousand strong converged on the small town of 2400 both sides dead set and determined not to yield an inch three days of ferocious combat left some 50,000 casualties holy shit for an actual war that took place on our soil 50,000 casualties civil war was one of the bloodiest and most harrowing and pretty very influential wars you know, in, in our country. And it also, it, it's in some ways it, it's considered a, uh, it's like you can consider it a good point in history, but in other ways it's not a good point at all because it was, we were fighting each other, but you know, it was I honestly a necessity be- in some aspects. I honestly believe that for the, for, for a lot of the kind of, I feel like we could have a civil war today and it would be like the same sides fighting against each other. It would be the South fighting against pretty much everywhere else in the country. Like, I, I believe that, like... I, I don't think if a civil war... What I think a civil war would happen would be the citizens versus the government. That's what I think it would be. I think... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into politics. Anyway... Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm not an expert on that either. But I mean, just seeing the sort of people who were just really kind of, they feel like they're being taken advantage of, or they feel like the government is screwing them over, or, you know, they they might get to the point where that boils over into a full-on civil war. I don't want that to happen. I really don't. I mean, th- there was way too much loss of life in, in the civil war. Uh, when we actually had one. But I think so. to myself, some of that life that was lost was shitty-ass slave owners who wanted to keep owning slaves. Those people didn't need to be alive, in my opinion. So some of it was like uh, good pe- I mean, like, like people who... I'm not even going to touch that subject, <laughs> but I mean, there were certain people that maybe, but that I'm not really going to say for sure, yeah, they deserve to die, but I mean, there was other people... Maybe justice, sure, like some sort of form of justice. There's other people who died on the front lines who honestly weren't slave owners. They weren't, you know, they're well, yeah, kids. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I mean, but I'm saying like that's that was one of the big issues was slavery. Oh, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said it was a necessity because in order for slavery to finally be abolished, uh had to have the civil war and the union had to win all i'll say about it is i feel like you know if you look at things now and back then all i i say i think that the more things change the more things stay the same in a lot of ways um so anyway the three days of ferocious combat left some fifty thousand casualties the creeks literally ran red with blood 
Some say Gettysburg is still haunted by ghosts of those cut down before their time. Historian Mark Nesbitt comes in at this point saying, At Gettysburg, there was so much emotional energy that was expended in such a short period of time, from the 15-year-old kid that was scared to death that he'd never make it home, to the 40-year-old man who'd just been shot through the lungs, who was dying, thinking about his family. So much emotional energy was expended at Gettysburg, you'd have to think that some of it must remain. Many of the ghosts have been reported by Civil War buffs known as reenactors. Dressed in period costumes, they restaged the epic battle of Gettysburg. Blow- and that's kind of ironic or crazy. You know, they just reenact the Civil War all the time. Like, it's just a game. But Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> because I love how Unsolved Mysteries has to like feel the need to explain what reenactors, uh, Civil War reenactors are. You know, like mm-hmm. Civil War buffs known as reenactors, also known as virgins. <laughs> uh, joking, joking. Um, it's uh, like LARPing, but it's with Civil War. LARPing? Here. Yeah. What's that? Live action role playing. Oh, right. Yes, yes. From our um, Kirk McFall segment that we talked about. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're dressed in period costumes. They restaged Epic Battle of Gettysburg blow by blow. Ray Hawk says he and a friend were taking a break from one of these mock skirmishes when he says he was approached by a haggard figure too realistic just to be another reenactor. And that's quoting him here saying, I think I've seen a ghost. I think this guy had original equipment on. Original coat, everything. To me, it points that it was all original, the real McCoy. He smelled. He smelled extremely bad. A sulfur, a sulfur odor. He really looked tired and, a ho- and he was hollow in the face. Ray says the man handed each of them two authentic-looking cartridges. When they looked up, the man had disappeared. Yeah, uh, that that the moment where that particular uh, ghost sighting goes off the rails is when he says he handed him authentic cartridges. I've never heard of any other ghost case where any ghost ever hands anybody anything that is <laughs> actually a real prop or like a real actual authentic item of some kind well then at that point ray says i simply don't know where he got to this is one of the four rounds he gave myself and my friend he actually holds up one of the rounds um live ammunition hasn't been allowed at gettysburg for over a hundred years but according to ray hawk a university expert determined that the cartridges powder and all were civil war issue vintage 1863 the Battle of Gettysburg raged for three long days. Each day, darkness brought a lull in the fighting. The moaning of the wounded filled the hot, humid air. Soldiers that survived picked their way through the battlefield, searching for fallen comrades, a search that many believe continues to this day. In the summer of 1993, the 130th anniversary of the battle, a group of friends were at Gettysburg for reenactments. One evening, they hiked along a creek called Bloody Run. Now, if you were wanting to avoid seeing ghosts, perhaps you would stay away from a creek called Bloody Run. That's yeah. just me. I'm no scientist. Stay away from Bloody Run. So one of the hikers says, I was walking along with my wife when we stopped along the trail. This is at nighttime, mind you. He appeared to be a man laying there, but he wasn't solid like you and I are. He was more of a hazy mist. He was shivering because he looked like he was in a lot of pain. I couldn't go any further. Emotionally, I broke down and cried. I was shaken. 
I had to actually have someone come back and lead me out of the trail. And the, reenact, uh, the reenactment of uh, the segment or whatever, it shows the, you know, the guy or whatever. It, lo it looks pretty good. It doesn't bother... This time, their ghosting effects don't bother... Don't, they don't bother me with the whole, like, see-through people. Did a it, car the, just drive by your house dude, or something? Dude, there's this, there's this fucking douchebag with this motorized bicycle. And I'm not talking a motorcycle or a dirt bike. He's literally got a bicycle... Uh, a bicycle. A bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rat, and he's riding a bicycle. And it's really annoying, and it's adorable at the same time. No, it's this guy is riding this bicycle and it's like he literally strapped this motor to it and he just like hauls ass up and down this road. I guess it's his only means of conveyance, but good lord is it fucking loud. It's louder than a normal motorcycle. Yeah, clearly cuz I could hear it and also I, I thought it, cre it it freaked me out for a second cuz you were talking about these ghosts on at Gettysburg. Yeah. And then you hear this like, yeah, that's, <laughs> like what? Well, that's what it really that was the intention, Mike. It actually wasn't any of that what I just said at all. It was it was what you were saying. Yep. You caught on. Uh, I hired someone outside, a Foley artist outside my window <laughs> to do that. I thought you played the segment or something real quick on the TV. Oh, no, I wouldn't do wouldn't ever do anything like that. John and Terry, if you're listening, I would never do a thing like that. Never did a thing like that either. Prove it. Uh, anyway, uh, Richard and his wife were the only ones who had seen the apparition. Soon after Richard's uh, sighting, though, his brother David and a few others headed out to an area called the Slaughter Pen. They didn't get far. And the reenactment God, shows... God, these names. Oh, I, I mean, they... They're kind of badass, but very brutal at the same time. And at the same time, it's like, don't go there. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Hacky Hack slash Kill Mountain. Uh, that, that sounds like a pretty good, uh, you know, view for some uh, bird watching. Uh, um, how about Rape Place? <laughs> rape Place. <laughs> yeah, let's go to uh, the Suicide Center. That sounds like a, they got a killer hamburger there. Um, but on yeah. Uh Sorry, I did a little short one there. I don't know. <laughs> so um, they didn't get far. Uh, in the reenactment, they show this like ghostly figure, and he's carrying a lantern, which was actually pretty cool. And the guy mm -hmm. says, um, uh, well, that stat comes in saying, the phantom was gone after because it appeared and then it disappeared. The phantom was gone, but the sounds of the night suggested that they were still not alone. And then uh, his brother David is quoting as saying, uh, I was hearing cannon shots and drum rolls and men marching on the road. It sounded like it was getting closer, so I said to everybody, okay, it's time to go. Now, that is so... Now, that's scary, but that's so badass, though, dude. Like, you're out where the Civil War took place in Gettysburg. You're you're at the, the uh, slaughter pen, and, you know, you see this apparition. It's so scary. But then not only that, but you start hearing gunfire from muskets, and you start hearing yeah. drum rolls, like, you know... Like Civil War era shit that happened because you know now they don't mm -hmm. do that that kind of stuff like drum rolls and shit. That's like some old school war stuff. You know, you start hearing yeah. drum rolls and these soldiers. It's just so like kind of cool, but and it kind of make makes your hair stand up on end at the same time. Uh -huh. to think about um, Ron Waddell, uh, who is uh, credited on this show as a living history interpreter. Now, what does that sound like to you? Oh, I'm a living history interpreter. Living history, okay, that's ghosts, obviously, right? Living history, because <laughs> history is of the past, so if it's still yep. living. So he's, he's a ghost guy, 
you know. But I just thought that was the funniest euphemism I'd ever heard for like a ghost guy, a living history interpreter. That's like that's like being a cashier at Walmart and putting on your resume, oh, I was a monetary exchange technician. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little uh, a little lofty there uh, in your titles. But anyway, they got him on here, and, and uh, he's talking about you know what his encounter with the group the next day, and he's saying. We had a saying in Vietnam called the Thousand Yard Stare. That's when a soldier saw too much too often. One of the young men that had seen this, he had that. Something was definitely beyond the normal. So, I guess based off one of the witnesses, you know, he had this Thousand Yard Stare going on the next day after seeing the ghost. So, he was, I get. That's kind of one thing about this segment where I kind of call bullshit because this is literally all anecdotal evidence. These, they, like, they, yeah. they made a segment about this literally based on people's stories. Yeah, like they didn't get. I what, mean, that, that's how I felt about the bullet thing. I'm like, you could. This is what I think happened. The guy found a vintage Civil War era bullet on the battlefield while he was doing reenactment or something, or he was working on setting it up. He came up with this story that a ghost gave him the bullet, and that's what happened. Because I've never heard of any instance of any of the other ghost sort of sightings that I've read about or seen in other footage or other videos or other documentaries where the ghost ever hands somebody a physical object. Right. I mean, you know, that that kind of ghostly energy can kind of... Because uh, there was an Unsolved Mysteries segment where these half dollars started to materialize around this lady's house. And it, yeah. it was attributed to, you know, ghostly kind of... That can happen, but I, that's the there isn't an apparition that's literally handing, handing them, right, cause it's, them these coins. Stranger things have happened, though. Not not yeah. much, not much stranger, but, that, but that would have to be like the one case, the only case, the only recorded case that I can think of is this guy who's a Civil War reenactor who found a Civil War bullet that he got from a ghost. I mean, look, Mike, it took Patrick Swayze a while to get the ability to touch stuff in his ghost form, <laughs> but he eventually got it. Okay, he was able to kick the can. Mm -hmm. He was able to manipulate things even in his ghost form. I mean, do you know nothing about history? <laughs> you know because that was a real thing in all the movie ghost um so <clears throat> historian mark nebit chimes in again and he says the patterns that emerge tell me that something is going on and now this i do believe the patterns that emerge tell me that something is going on out there other than just individual sightings when two or three people describe the same thing something is going on out there that's unexplainable that i can agree yeah with. Now, I mean, is it the exact? There have been multiple different cases of people seeing apparitions at Gettysburg. So uh, this is also covered on, I think, on a segment in, on sightings as well. So this is there's been a lot of people. There's a lot of people who've seen stuff. So I, I agree with the whole thing where the energy is captured on on the battlefield. It's this very intense Just the extent, energy. The extent of the stories are, you know, is kind of uh, up for debate, I guess. Yeah. The terror of Gettysburg was not just limited to the battlefield, though. Army surgeons, deluged with wounded, lacking medicine and proper instruments, handled most injuries with one quick treatment, amputation. Yep. We take a lot of our medical stuff for granted. I mean, back then it was amputation. We're not saving that leg. 
It's, it's going. Not going to risk infection, gangrene, staph, MRSA, any of the other things that can happen to a open wound. So just cut it off and sew it up. People now that if that happened to them, you know, they just patch it back up, put a cast on it or something, and they'd be fine. But back then, that wasn't an option. Man. So, like the injuries that some of these dumb skateboarders and stupid kids get when they crash and burn and, and break a leg or get a compound fracture, that kind of thing they can get taken care of now. But if they had that happen to them in the battlefield, they were fucked. They were screwed. That foot is going. Yet another wonder of the modern medicine. Of the modern medicine? I don't know what... Another wonder of the modern medicine. <laughs> Many of the men went under amputation of limbs without any anesthetic, except yeah, for perhaps can you a shot. That? Yeah, except for a shot of military whiskey. So the Civil War hospital then was the closest descent into hell that these yeah. Civil War soldiers would have gotten to. The reenactment here is is fantastic. I always remember this because they did a really good job showing how horrific this. So then they show this, they show this building. It's Pennsylvania Hall, and it served as a field hospital during the battle. Today it houses the offices of Gettysburg College, a four-year liberal arts school. But the cries of the wounded still echo here. At least, that's what the two school administrators reported a few years ago. It was close to midnight. The two women were alone in the building. Or so they thought. Uh, these two women get into the elevator and they, you know, press a button to go down to the first floor. But instead of going into the first floor, it takes them to the basement as the doors opened up, you could see the uh, recreation of uh, it's just 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 like a Civil War uh, like hospital room. There yeah. are people uh, bodies laying down, and they're they got like this hacksaw, and they're actually showing them like hacksawing, you know, from behind. You know, they don't actually show like yeah, but it was still it was still a very intense, horrific sequence. I always remember that one because I I think when I rented this ghost box set like from Netflix or the library. And then I saw this for the first time. I was like, whoa, whoo, that's like some Twilight Zone shit right there. <laughs> Go right down the elevator that end up in the Civil War era hell hospital. <laughs> so historian Mark Nebit, or Nesbitt comes in again saying, quote, the stench of a hospital was all around. And as they peered out, they panicked. There was nowhere they could go. And it's showing them the reenactment. They're trying to mash the button on the elevator to go back up, but it wouldn't work. Suddenly, one of the orderlies turned and looked at them beseechingly like he needed help with this horrible task or to get him out of this forced incarceration that he'd been in for the last 14 decades. The two officials were so shaken by their experience that they never granted a formal interview, but they did share their experiences that night with a security guard named Timon Lin. I gotta say, this historian Mark Nesbitt—he was quite the uh, descriptor of the uh, stuff going yeah. on here. Like, he was very good at painting pictures. Uh, he was—I yeah. thought he was a very good um, interview for this segment because he was able to really drive home the imagery and and, the, and bring it to life. Yeah, I mean, I thought he did a great job. But so the security guard here, who was the only one that you know, so so again, you know, we're getting second, third hand, you know, stories here. But security guard saying. Uh, I would have to say that something frightened them. I can't explain it. Although I don't believe in ghosts, I guess to a certain extent I believe that they saw what they said they saw only because I know them as credible people. Um, 
so you're getting, you know, I'm guessing this guy um, or maybe other people that these women told or these, that's how this story got out even. And these, because like these women wouldn't even, well, they said grant a formal interview. So I guess maybe they still could have talked to, you know, historians and stuff like that, but just not like, you know, on TV. They didn't want to be on TV. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of ties into how legitimate their uh, sighting might be. They, they're like, no, we don't want to be on TV. We don't want people to think we're crazy. The less somebody has to gain from something like this, the more I believe their story straight up. I mean, if, they, if they're not writing a book, if they're not making several TV appearances, which they may or may not be getting They're not making for. crazy, crazy uh, uh, stories up where, oh, you gave me a bullet. I'm sorry. I just I, I, that one just is. No. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not what yeah, happened. It's a little, it's a little on the far fetched <laughs> side. The whole gave, gave him a bullet, but I don't know. I mean, when they're saying live ammo hasn't been allowed on the uh, in Gettysburg for over a hundred, yeah, years, but I'm just saying that it could have been found on under the ground or something, or on the location somewhere, or maybe he has a bullet and he's just making this shit up. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he wanted, you know, he wanted his 15 minutes of fame and, you know, he's already a civil war reenactor. So he's already got a flair for the dramatic, you know? Yeah. So I mean, well, maybe he's right. Sense. And if he's right, cool, I'm wrong, but there's no tell. I really get proof that says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> proof that says that I'm wrong. I'm going to lean towards the skeptic side here with that. But with the other ones, I, I, I tend to believe those more because these were places that had, like I said, had a lot of high energy, uh, negative energy, negative energy. From what I've heard, tends to really linger around and and uh, stay in places like this. Uh, there's been a lot of loss of life that has happened at Gettysburg, and a lot of these places where these people have seen these sightings. And it ties into stuff like uh, sightings at places like the Tower of London, where all these, you know, where there's also been similar uh, horrific things that have happened. Are such ghostly sightings our products of overheated imagination? Shadows turned into figures, fireflies seen as lanterns? Or is it possible that spirits of soldiers who breathe their last breath at Gettysburg are forever stuck there, eternally searching for peace? And that's kind of what the show ends, the segment ends on. So like most things, Unsolved Mysteries puts the ball in your court. They kind of, yeah. they do have a tendency of kind of leading you in a certain direction. I'm not going to lie, but they at least will go the extra step in having a skeptic on the segment. Although I don't think they had a skeptic they on did, this. They segment, did not though. have one on this one, but I think with this one, it's so, um, you know, I, I think it's so like the, it's, it's almost like they're going, yeah, we know these are just stories and this is what we're just kind of yeah. giving you people stories. We're not it's it's yeah. not it's not like um, the Tallman house where there were actual there was actual like physical damage done and stuff like that. And um, I, I don't know, it's it's this one just seemed like it didn't really need a skeptic because it's like it it's well, a to me, it's not that hard to like. It's not that far-fetched to think that, oh, an old, like, war area where thousands of people died, there, there's some kind of energy lingering there. Yeah, that's not very hard for well, me to wrap Yeah, and also, 
it's not hard to wrap your mind around people looking for something and seeing what they want to see, especially people who are Civil War reenactors. And, you know, so there's that kind of aspect as well of it. But, I mean, yeah, I mean... That's why I love those shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and shit. I I ironically say that I love them because I actually hate them. I hate those shows. Because they literally are going in there with their mind already made up. That there's that that a ghosts are definitely real. There's definitely energies around, and we are going to a place where we will most likely encounter something. So anything we see or hear will fit into our schema of oh, that's a ghost. It's it, total bullshit. I mean, there's stuff where they exaggerate stuff so badly that it's it's really laughable. Actually, and you know, the funny thing I, is, like, there was one that was like this guy was getting possessed or something, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like the thing is, is like yeah. you don't know. Like we, as the the viewer, we don't know even what kind of shit they added in post production as far as sound yeah. effects and noises, which, or 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 noises that were amplified to make it or sound stuff louder. they threw into the video after the fact. Yeah, because at the end it's of the after day, effects or something. At the end of the day, these shows need to get ratings to say on TV to make money. So who gives a fuck if it's real or not, as far as they're thinking? Like we, that's why I, I liked uh, this. Uh, I think it was Paranormal State. I think that might one what, what it was called. That one was more credible to me. Well, that's why uh, that's why I preferred shows like A Haunting and Paranormal Witness and Unsolved Mysteries because they're not they're not trying to give to sell you the reality. They're selling you the story, and the story is yeah. ultimately what is fascinating to me. Not necessarily the reality. Not a bunch of these guys going around with uh, night vision cameras going into some random place. Oh my god. <sighs> Did you hear that? Holy, <laughs> holy shit! <sighs> get oh get my our God, get our high tech get all of our high tech gadgets out to prove our point that. Oh my God! Look at the 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 temperatures changed. There's definitely a ghost here. When, or the EVPs where they record random nonsense and then they put on the bottom of the screen a subtitle. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. Like, like when I did the when I did my ghost episode around Halloween of uh, last year, which if you want to check it out and the other videos I've done, it's YouTube.com/slash/dancingwithghosts, and you can see that. Oh, that's funny, Dancing with Ghosts. We're talking about ghosts anyway. <laughs> yeah, when I did my ghost episode, I did a lot of research on these shows, and I had to watch a lot of them, which was very painful uh, because a lot of them were just so bad. And my favorite trick that they used was like one of the cheapest tricks in the book. They pull out a, a recorder and, and, you know, they, they try to make this shit look all flashy, but really it's just kind of like light LED lights and yeah. recorders. It's nothing it's, it's nothing that's like NASA quality or NASA grade, you know, like stuff that's actually measuring and giving you it, it's, it's little mm-hmm. play toys for adults to waste their money on that, you know, might tell them that, oh, we're getting a high reading over here of something. But my favorite thing that they do is they take out a recorder, just like on your phone, like or your phone might have an audio recorder. They take out a recorder, they record in the air, and then they play it back. But what you're actually hearing is they like they go in and they amplify the signal. And so you're hearing like all this, you know, like ambient noise, but it's like amplified. It sounds really loud. They take one of those noises and they say, oh, my God, did you hear what it said? It just said, let me out. And then they play it back and they put the subtitle down at the bottom uh-huh. of the screen. And through power suggestion, you're like, oh, my God, it totally said let me out. But you yeah. could have you made up literally anything. 
it, or or almost anything to fit what it what that whatever that random noise sounded like, and you could have said, oh, that that was something. It, you know, it's just it's there's so much bullshit techniques they use on those kind of shows that it's just kind of a laugh to me. That's why I'd love to see like a parody thing, like a movie where then the ghost would actually know what they're doing and then like insult them or something. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'd be something like that. It'd be like you suck. <laughs> But yeah, so that is the uh, Gettysburg Ghosts. Um, there's another Gettysburg segment out there having to do with... Well, it's not Gettysburg. It's uh, Civil War uh, era, though. It has to do with the museum, mm-hmm. which is also pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I just... I like the idea of, uh, you know, the reenactor sitting there and then, like, you know, a ghost comes up and he is too authentic for it to be a reenactor. Yeah. You know, like, that's cool Well, the, the one that stood out to me most was the hospital one. That's the one that... Yeah, go hitting, you know, the first floor on an elevator and then it, you know, by its own will going to the basement and you see all this freaky shit as soon as the doors open. I mean, if that's not straight out of a horror movie, I don't know what it is. So well, that's I, what the Civil War was like. It was a real-life horror film. I think that is the podcast for this week. Um, I don't think I have anything to, else to mention. I don't have anything to add. I gotta except go. war definitely is hell. Yes, it is. Captain Obvious over here. No, I'm just it's <laughs> not heck. <laughs> war is not heck. Make peace, not... Wait, make love, not war, man. So if you'd like to, uh, you know, do any of the stuff that I mentioned previously, go and do that. <laughs> I'm just going to be very vague. Uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, kick in some shekels on Patreon if you feel so inclined to do so. We would greatly appreciate some extra perks on there whatnot. Um, and that is it. And until next week, we bid you adieu. Take care and be safe and don't die. Yeah, don't do that. See ya. See ya.